The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the 10th chapter. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? They said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or to be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? They replied, We are able. Then Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they, bega they began to be angry with James and John. So, Je so Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lorded over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. Whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave to all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated, and the children may come forward for a children's sermon. Lorenzo was just remarking how there's more kids than there were last week. Aren't there? It's great to see you all back. I missed you. So, today I want to tell you guys a story. A lot of times I ask you a question, right? Yeah. But I'm going to tell you guys a story about when I was around your age, okay? When I was your age, I had uh, three other brothers, and so there was four of us, right? And so we'd all walk in line behind my mom and my dad and go into the pew. But we all had to sit on the inside of the pew so that if we started fighting or picking on one another, they could separate us, right? Do your parents do that? Yeah. Some of them? I, th I think I've seen some of your parents do that. Or at least the people who come to church. So we would sit right there, um, but one of us got to sit on the end row, right? On the, on the outside row. Do you, why do you guys think that was? Only one of us at a time. Why do you think that was? Yeah. So we could take turns. Very good. But we all wanted to be there. Why do you think that was so special? Yeah. So we can be with each other. Very good. Uh, one more guess from Jack. Because God died on a cross. Actually, that's very, very close. So, the reason we wanted to sit on the end was because 
when the offering plate came past, we got to put the offering envelope in the plate. So have you guys ever uh, used an offering envelope before? No? Some of you, yes, some of you know. Now this isn't exactly an offering envelope. There's nothing on the front of this one. But it's an envelope about this size. And usually uh, your parents will put some money or a check in there or, or something. And they'll seal it up and they'll write their name on it. And then they'll put it in the uh, offering plate. Now my dad always had his folded really tight. And I don't know why, but he always folded it really tight. And then he'd hand it to one of us who was sitting beside him. And then when the offering plate came past, we got to put it in the plate. And so the basket would come past, and then it put in the plate. And we thought that was the coolest thing ever. And we would fight each other to be able to put that envelope in the plate. Yeah, we would. And it wasn't good. We shouldn't fight. Yeah. Did you put one person on each side? Nope, just one person on the end. The, the lucky person's on the end. Now, the reason that we, do you know why we even have offering envelopes? Kind of, you're close. We have money in these envelopes for a variety of reasons, but the main reason is because God gives us so many good gifts, and one of God's instructions to us is to give these gifts back to whoever's in need. And so we, we put some money in here, whatever we have, whatever we earn, whatever we find, and then every week we collect all that money, and we say, with this money, we're going to be the best church that we can be. You know? And so we do, uh, we put money into our, our uh, different accounts. So some of your Sunday school stuff and some of the choir uh, robes and everything and some of the bread, uh, some of the wine that we use and the cups and that we use, all that comes in part from this money. But other parts of this money go uh, to, to the Synod, and, which is kind of all the churches together to help uh, other people in need. Some of this money gets used for John's meals so that people have something to eat. Some of this money gets used so that we're not cold in church and that we pay the heat bill. Some of this uh, money gets used for all kinds of different things. Sometimes we even give it straight to people who just need help. When we, when we collect money in this envelope, we say together we're going to be the best church we can be. Now, I've come to realize that you guys don't get to pass out or put your envelopes in the plate. And since I grew up thinking it was the coolest thing ever, I'm going to give you that shot. For the next four weeks, you guys get to have envelopes. Are you guys excited? I'm excited. Now, these aren't just ordinary envelopes because the adults don't get to do the second part. Well, they could, but they don't normally. Inside of each of your envelopes I'm going to give you is a little instruction. So whatever, whatever money you might have, or maybe you found a quarter, or whatever it might be, you can put that money in here so that we can be the best church together. But I also want you to draw on the front of this. And each week you're going to draw something different. And we're going to talk about what you drew uh, the next week. So this week uh, you're going to draw on the front some way that you help someone in need. So over the course of the week, if you help somebody out, I want you to draw it on the front of this, and then you're going to bring it in. Now next week we're going to be at St. Paul Church, and so uh, you're going to bring it there, because I'm pretty sure we'll be able to tell the ones that are yours, because they're going to have drawings on the front, right? They're going to be the special envelope. But the next week we'll talk about these, and we'll put them all in the same basket, and it'll be good. So, are you guys excited to draw on these? Yeah? Are you guys excited to uh, get to put your envelopes in the plate? I am. But together, we're going to talk about what it means for the next uh, few weeks. So, 
Before we even get to the snack, I've got something for you. So make sure everybody gets one, and I know we have enough. Yep, they're each the same thing. They're all blank. They're all for your creativity. Oh, here's one. Y'all got one? Everybody got one? Hand one back. There you go. Deanna, could you hand one to Rosa, please? Oh, Lorenzo. Well, okay. You'll hand one to your mom? Okay. Well, she's giving one to her sister. There you go. You got one, Finny? There you go. Very good. Now, can we all sit back down again? There you go. Oh. So, just, just so, uh, just to keep our normal pattern, we're going to pray here at the end, okay? All right. Let us pray. God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for the good things that you give to us, for the ways that you help us. We ask that you help us to help our neighbor, anybody that we might see throughout this week. And as we draw these pictures on our offering envelopes, as we put money into them, we ask that you might help us to be the best church we can possibly be together. Thank you for being our God and for loving us so much. In your name we pray. Amen. And of course, the second basket. Second basket is a good basket. The first basket is a great basket. Good job. Oh, uh, need some help? All right. There you go. You're welcome. In the name of Jesus, Amen. As you already heard, uh, for the next few weeks we're going to be talking about stewardship, which is, as you already know, because you're very intelligent people and you've told me you know this before, stewardship is not just a conversation about money, and stewardship is just not, not just about meeting the church budget, and a month of talking about stewardship is not just my way of shaking you down for money so that we meet the budget. Rather, stewardship is talking about how we orient ourselves, how we orient our entire lives so that we can be the best church we can possibly be together. If we could be the best church we could possibly be alone, I would tell you to keep your money and, 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 not, and not give it here at all. But I believe that to be the best church we can possibly be, we need to be together. And there's a few things in today's gospel text that link us to that. James and John the sons of Zebedee. Earlier in the Gospel of Mark, they're called the sons of thunder. When Jesus is giving out names and uh, Jesus says, you know, Peter, you're, you're Cephas or you're the rock. Um, we all remember Peter as the rock, right? But I think very often we forget James and John are the sons of thunder. Now, if you're like me, when, when I say sons of thunder, it might conjure images of a motorcycle gang that's running through town, <laughs> like creating destruction all over the place. I don't think that's what Jesus was saying. 
I think instead Jesus was actually probably talking about a psalm. Uh, so there is one particular psalm in our Bible that talks about uh, God through a thunderstorm. And that's where we get that imagery that at least I remember quite often when it rains and pours and thunders that uh, the Lord makes the mountains to tremble and makes the cedars of Lebanon to skip like a young wild ox. When the thunder crashes and the whole earth shakes and your house is just rumbling, that's like God. That's like the power of God. To call James and John the sons of thunder, I think, was not to mean that they were wrecking everything in front of them, but rather they had that deep and powerful passion for what God was doing in their midst. So seeing that, these sons of thunder, these passionate people, walk up to Jesus and they say, Jesus, give us whatever we ask. And Jesus is like, what are you asking? Okay. And Jesus, uh, and then James and John, the sons and passionate people of thunder, say, Permit us to sit with you in glory, one at your right hand, one at your left. And Jesus says, no. For Jesus, what's important is not necessarily what's going to happen later on uh, in heaven, but what is happening right now. And so Jesus reorients the conversation. He says, can you possibly drink the cup that I drink? Can you possibly be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And that particular baptismal tongue twister right there, if you look at the Greek, the root, that baptismal root, baptismo, is repeated three times in a row in different forms and functions uh, for its grammar. But whenever you see that in Greek, whenever you see something repeated, especially three times in a row, the point is for emphasis, and here, emphasis in possession. And so it's not just any baptism. Here, it's Jesus' baptism. A different way of translating this, and I think one uh, that honors that repetition so much would be to say, can you be baptized with the baptism which I experience? With the baptism that's mine? The baptism I'm called to? For Jesus, and for us, when we hear that, we realize that it's not just talking about using the same water or using the same words. Rather, it's talking about can you live the same life that Christ was called to? Can you be that similar person, that same person that Christ was being while here on earth? And that's a whole different question. For us, as we talk about stewardship, I think a lot of times uh, we, we come at the question in an odd way. We ask ourselves, why do we have to give? And we list off all these good reasons. Well, uh, we need uh, to take care of our possessions, and that, that includes uh, regular upkeep for this. We, uh, we make sure that all of the different committees and all the different activities that are going on are well funded so that we can do the, our best possible work. We give these monies to those in need and we use them at the Synod and at the national level so that people together can realize what the church might mean, a selfless giving of ourselves. We talk about tithing and we talk about God's command, but what we don't talk about very often is being a part of that baptism which Jesus experiences. To be little Christs, we act in the way that Jesus acts. And I could go on and give you every academic explanation, but I know people have done that before I got here. <laughs> I know people are going to do it again. Sometimes, you just got to practice it. There's a really good uh, story. Actually, I should, I should preface this. Kristen Vogt, my beloved wife and diaconal minister in the ELCA, 
preached her first sermon this uh, past Saturday at 6 p.m. at a church in D.C. And she's preaching again this morning. And, uh, and so we worked together throughout the week, comparing our notes and comparing uh, strategy and all that kind of good stuff for the sermon. And I was looking at the Greek like a good scholar, and I was reading all my uh, texts, and I was having conversations with other pastors and with Kristen. And Kristen wasn't saying very much. And I'm so, so, so I assumed, well, she's probably just really new at this. You know, she doesn't know it. And then she came up with this really good example that, uh, that I stopped <laughs> when I heard it. And I said, well, can I use that? <laughs> So she said, she said, yes, as long as you give me credit and say it's my first time giving a sermon. So, so upon doing hundreds and hundreds of these, I am now stealing Kristen's. But when you hear the gospel, you latch on to it, right? So there's a story about Kristen and her father. And uh, Kristen's father is a pastor, for those of you who don't know. And um, one night, it was Christmas Eve, and a young Christian who was about in middle school was sitting in the car uh, outside the church. And the car wasn't on and she was cold. And she was hoping that this would draw her father out of the church quicker. Right? And so as you know, on Christmas Eve, you just want to get home. And uh, as a pastor, he was closing up several things and hoping to draw him out. And finally, 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 he comes out the door. He begins to lock it up. And then uh, a person who is clearly in need walks up to him at the doors. And Kristen thinks to herself, oh great. <laughs> She's not getting home soon. They talk for a little bit and uh, Kristen's dad gets into the car. And she turn, uh, he turns around to Kristen and says, Kristen, we're going to go home soon, but first we have to drop this person off. And Kristen responds with, oh, why? Do we really have to do this right now? And... Uh, Many of you parents will recognize, and anyone who's taken care of children in their past, uh, this particular motion. He turned around in his seat, he looked her square in the eye, and said, yes, we have to, because this is what we do. And I can't think of a better way of saying it. I, I can't think of a better way of saying why we take care and why we're so conscious about our money and about our time and about our possessions and about how we live life. Honestly, the only answer, the best answer I have is we are Christ-like. This is what we do. We take everything that we have. We take our time, we take ourselves, we take our skills and our abilities and we make them work strictly for the people around us, strictly for the people in need, strictly for anyone anyone who is in need of love of neighbor and of self. The reason that we do the things that we do are not because we're so bored that we don't know what to do. It's because God stepped down from heaven instead of having authority, instead of having power, and instead of having grace and might and a kingdom, God stepped down from heaven to be a servant. God stepped down from heaven to orient God's entire life towards us, towards you. God filled God's offering envelope with life itself. Put it in the plate and passed it on down to you saying, here it is. It's an incredible thing that every so often when we meet, we see God's body broken again and God's blood let out again for you and for me. 
these next few weeks. If you'd like, I invite you to draw on your offering envelopes whenever you want. Make sure that we can still read them. <laughs> but, but draw on your offering envelopes if it helps. If it helps you take a little bit of time to say, why am I giving what I'm giving? Why am I doing what I'm doing? And if you kick back, and I kick back against this question too because I don't want to think about it all the time. But if you kick back against it, and if you have to, if you have, to have another reason for it, look up. Imagine God, God's own self turning around in the driver's seat of the car, <laughs> looking back at you and saying, yes, you have to think about this. You have to consider this. You have to give. Because this is what we do. This is who we are. God bless you. God has blessed us with incredible gifts and with incredible ability. But God bless you again as we go together on this journey of looking at what we give and how we give and what we do. It's an incredible act. And I thank you for going on this journey with me. I'll see you next week. Amen.